This is a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek, where we welcome priests from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana to tell us their vocation stories. We are so grateful to and thankful for our priests as they serve us and bring us the sacraments daily. Before we introduce today's special guest priest, we'd like to pray for you, Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of our priests. Through them, we experience your presence in the sacraments. Help our priests to be strong in their vocation. Set their souls on fire with love for your people. Grant them the wisdom, understanding, and strength they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns as our eternal priest. Amen. This is Gordon Smith, and you're listening to the Sons of Melchizedek show. This is a priestly vocation show. We ferret out the early times of the priests we interview. Today we have a special guest. It is Archbishop Charles Thompson of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Welcome, Archbishop. Thank you, Gordon. This is uh, a show where we want to find out what caused you to make the, the changes in your life, uh, the things that drew you to the priesthood. Uh, and so I'd like to start out with your early life. Where were you born and, and where are you from? Mm-hmm. I was born in Louisville, Kentucky. My parents are both from a area of Kentucky, Marion County, the most Catholic county in the state of Kentucky, about an hour, hour and 15 minutes south of downtown Louisville. Um, about 30 minutes southeast of Bardstown, Kentucky. Uh, They were born and raised there. Dad got a job at General Electric, so um, he moved to Louisville, uh, started his job, went back, married Mom, brought her. I was born in Louisville. Then we moved back later, uh, back to to Marion County, and and lived there until I was about 12 and moved back to Louisville. And you say Marion County, but was there a town or a a village or something in that county? Marion County, the the, the largest city in Marion County would be Lebanon, Kentucky. Okay. about 6,000 people, towns like, but a very Catholic, just to give you a flavor of the, the Catholic, Catholic, Catholicity, the towns were St. Francis, Holy Cross, Loretto, St. Joe, St. Charles, St. Mary's. These are the names of the towns, and, and just the list goes on and on for that little area. And you mentioned in the pre-interview that this was uh, kind of a, a very Catholic area, uh, and I, I mentioned to you where, where there are a lot of bathtub Marys, and you'll have to explain what a bathtub Mary is to our audience. Well, it's a statue of Mary in a grotto, but the grotto looks like a bathtub that's been turned kind of upside down long ways with part of it in the ground, Look like it's like halfway in the ground, halfway up, um, so that they're known as bathtub Marys. That's interesting. Uh, we don't see too many of those around central Indiana. Um, what was your education uh, at the grade school level? Did you go to Catholic school? I went to uh, St. Charles Grade School in Marion County. Uh, I was taught by nuns. I, I did not even know it until I, until I was long late later when I was grown that it technically wasn't any longer a Catholic school. We were taught by nuns in habits, but like here in Indiana, some of these rural schools that the state took over but that allowed the, the religious to continue to teach in them. Uh, I think in Indiana they were not allowed to continue wearing their habit, but in Kentucky they were. So I, as I look back thinking, yeah, that's right, we did. We had to walk over from the school over to the parish hall for religion. We couldn't do it on the, on the property. So I, I look back and realize that, but, uh, but it was St. Charles grade school. And then we moved to Louisville. Um, we, our timing wasn't the greatest. It's just before busing, and so it, it was hard. They had a list, so I went from this little bitty St. Charles Grade School in Marion County to being bused the very first year of busing, a year or two within moving to Louisville, 
And um, so I was bused downtown. That was quite an experience. Uh, and then I went on to more high school, public high school. It's interesting. I have several. I'm one, I have 91st cousins, and there's two boys that grew up, went to high school in Louisville that didn't go to high, Catholic high schools. The other cousin is a priest of Louisville and myself. So it doesn't say anything about Catholic high school. It just says our parents really took up. He, he, our parents really took very seriously their responsibility to make sure the faith got passed on to us. And you mentioned sisters that taught you at the grade school level. Were those sisters of Loretto? They were sister, They were Ursuline sisters of, of Mount St. Joseph in western Kentucky, Owensboro. I see. For whatever, it's interesting. The, 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 sisters, the Ursuline sisters of western Kentucky came to, into the Archdiocese of Louisville, and then the Ursuline sisters of Louisville went and, and taught in the western part of Kentucky. So go figure. Well, it's very interesting, and we uh, are appreciative of your early years and early story. You have a little bit of an accent, if you don't mind me saying so, that uh, portrays the fact that you are from south of the Ohio River. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of people want to know about you, uh, Archbishop, and uh, your early years. So after high school, you uh, had you had any premonition that you wanted to become a priest yet, or did that happen in college? You know, I've said this over the years. Being Catholic growing up was like breathing. It was just just who we were from the very beginning and, and church and in, in the rural area those little churches the church was was the center of our lives the center of our world of our communities and so you know i grew up you know we went to mass we celebrate sacraments um you know when we had family gatherings we'd have the priest over and so very early on it was it was clear in my family that that a priest a religious was someone that to be respected and someone that that was living a life that was to be recognized and to be um, to be appreciated and to learn from. And so um, I think early, early on, I think back when I was making my first communion and things like that, that I was kind of I was kind of amazed at the priest, kind of watching the priest and seeing him go in and out of the sacristy and the things he did and when he'd come over to the family gatherings. And so I think I was intrigued by that. I don't but, know that I thought about being one at that point, but I was in, just intrigued by the life, by the witness. Well, what event or series of events, and at what age did it did that take hold? Well, you know, I, I don't have a set moment. There, uh, like I have a, my cousin who's a priest. He's six years older than me. He, he grew up playing mass. He knew when he was a little kid he was going to be a priest. He played mass. I never did that. Uh, you know, I think as a little as a child growing up, like I said, I was intrigued by the priest. I, I was attracted to, to, to you know by that that witness by his life uh, when we. Um, when we moved to Louisville, like I said I got bust, and and the year of busting there was a lot of violence. There was um, uh, I won't go into the details, but there was some violence. I, it was I've never bothered, but I witnessed a lot of violence, and it was the first time that I started thinking, what is my, how does my life speak to this violence? How does my life, what do I do with my life that's con- that says something about this? And that was the first time I really, from a social justice perspective thought about being a priest i don't know why but yeah, i always thought i was going to be a lawyer i was going to be a ball player or whatever and but it hit me that's when it really if i can name a moment that's when priesthood really came to my mind being a priest could speak to this violence to this inhumanity toward humanity and so, then later on you know i dated in high school and college but it kept gnawing at me until i finally and then my cousin who was a priest when he was the same minded he would send me material trying to encourage me so I, I gotta give him a little credit well, to god him. bless him yeah and this would have been late 70s early 80s mm-hmm. i'd say mm-hmm. uh, when you were going through this time in louisville 
Um, you went to Bellarmine, mm-hmm. um, and what kind? That's a Catholic university, of course, very Catholic. So, what what was your influence with the Catholic faith when you were at college? You know, I I, I continue to practice my faith. I have a accounting degree from Bellarmine. Uh, I, I, when I went to Bellarmine, I was thinking I would probably get a under get my undergrad in accounting and go on to law school. But I continued to go to Mass. I, I ran track and cross country at Bellarmine, so I was on the track and cross country team and had a lot of great friends there, and we did a lot of things together. Uh, and, you know, weekends, weekdays, it was just a gr- great group. Uh, but I continued to go to Mass uh, on holidays and Sundays, and there's, it never dawned on me in my life not to go to Mass. I, I have cousins who don't go to church. They said it felt like it got pushed down their throats growing up, and that never happened. My parents were just, they, we prayed the rosary at night, even when I was in college, if I was home, we prayed. I, I joined them. I, I prayed with them. We went to Mass, uh, and when I went home, I went to Mass. So I, I continued. I didn't do anything special uh, during college years, but I continued to practice my faith, and I had some good friends who, who, who did as well. Uh, about halfway through college is when I went and talked to my cousin, who was, who was a deacon getting ready to be ordained a priest. And I finally, about halfway through, I thought, i gotta, I got to talk to somebody about this. And I went to talk to him, and he set me up a meeting with the vocation director. At St. Myron? No, no or, the, or the, in, the Archdiocese. Archdiocese of Louisville. Yeah. Okay. And so I met with him, and we got to talking, and, that, and the process began there. I went ahead and finished up, though, at Bellarmine and got my degree with a lot of philosophy and theology because it was a Catholic school I could do, and then went on into Myron. So you crossed the river, you came into Indiana and went to St. Meinrad, uh, a nice, uh, very populated area with um, lots of stores and everything, right? <laughs> St. Meinrad, <laughs> no. <laughs> kind of out in the country. Very much like the place where I grew up, yes. Explain a, bit, a little bit about your time at St. Meinrad. Did you um, instantly fall into, uh, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing, I'm, I'm, I'm on board and I'm going to go for it? Well, you know, first, the Archdiocese of Louisville at that time, we had about five or six, seven seminaries we could choose from. So I was going around visiting seminaries, and I'd visit a couple, and then I had my visit at Minor, and I had a couple other visits lined up. And when I went to visit Minor, I fell in love with Minor from the, immediately. From the uh, get-go. From the get-go. It was because it reminded me so much of where my family was from in Marion County, Kentucky. And so that I didn't even do the other visits. I was done. I knew I was going there and never regretted that. It was just a great place for me. Um, I, you know, some guys questioned whether it was good that we that the Austin priests were being trained and formed by a religious Benedictine community. I think it was a great formation education. I think the Benedictine St. Minor gave us a great uh, foundation in prayer, and uh, in, in the in the rhythm of prayer, the rhythm of the of per- personal prayer with with communal. Uh, the official prayer of the church, uh, a, a great respect, uh, appreciation for the liturgy, for the church's liturgy. It was a great place to walk and to take in the creation. It was uh, just, um, I had no regrets going there. And just and we had we had seminarians from all over the country coming in there, so you got a good flavor of the church and different That's places. That's a very special place. And um, mm-hmm. uh, the little chapel up on the hill, the Monte Cassino. Monte Cassino. Just amazing place. And uh, listening to the, the monks in their chant uh, mm-hmm. when they celebrate Mass. It's just in that very echoey chapel they have there. It's just mm-hmm. amazing. It's like you're out of the third century or something, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me, uh, you mentioned running a few minutes ago when you were in uh, college. Is that a hobby you continue to this day? Yes. I I, I, start, I ran I ran track and cross country in high school as well, so I've been running for most of my life. Uh, I, I try to do about 
um, try to do four miles at least five days a week. Um, sometimes I only do three and a half if I if it's either I'm running out or short of time or what have you. But um, I try to at least five days a week, four miles. It's just a good stress relief for me now. It's just a great way to kind of clear my run? mind. So, you run right here from the uh, Catholic uh, Center? No, no, no. I, at my house where all seven archbishops have lived, I do a couple of things. One is depending on the time of day. Like right now, it's, I, I run around 5 o'clock in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. It's cold. You know, it's 20-some-odd degrees the other day. It's and dark, dark, and it's I don't have a dark. sidewalk. So I have a treadmill when, I, when I'm running too early or it's too cold or it's mm-hmm. raining or snowing, whatever. And, I, and then I have a couple of past trails I've laid out that I'll do when I run outside. So a lot of times what I'll do, especially during COVID, I would run in the morning and then I would walk the path in the afternoon. So it's about a four and a half, hour, four and a half mile, four, a little less, about four and a half, three, five mile loop that I have. Well, it seems to agree with you. You look like you're in great shape and um, keeping the weight off, that's for sure. <laughs> Right now, we're, we're interviewing Archbishop Charles Thompson of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. This is Gordon Smith, and you're listening to the Sons of Melchizedek. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Father about what happened at St. Mindred uh, in his early years in the priesthood, his first assignment, and so forth. Welcome me back uh, in a few minutes. Thank you. A little motherly advice from Marcy Rankin from CelebrateMarriageMinistry.com. As a mother of six... It's easy to get distracted by, well, by the children. (laughs) I enjoy listening to Catholic Radio Indy because it helps me remain centered in my faith. When I'm on the way to get the kids from school or whether I am running errands every day, I can listen to shows like Dr. Anders talking about the richness and fullness of our faith, Dr. Ray Gurundi giving great advice and encouragement to parents and families, and as well as the local Faith in Action program that features local people just living their faith in their daily lives. It's a great tool, and I hope that you can recommend it to all the moms that you know. Covering life from a position of good news. Share the joy. Listen for updates. Discover life. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back. Uh, We are interviewing today Archbishop Charles Thompson of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He was explaining a little bit about his time at St. Meinrad, the the peace and serenity he had enjoyed there. Uh, Also, he was talking a little bit about his hobby. I guess we call it a hobby, but he is a runner, and he is in good shape. He doesn't have an ounce of fat on him. (laughs) I can guarantee you that. After your time at St. Meinrad, you were uh, ordained in May of 87, right? Yes, sir. Archbishop? Yes. And who ordained you? Where was that? And and what was your first assignment? I was ordained at the Cathedral of the Assumption in Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, by Archbishop Thomas Kelly. Uh, Archbishop Kelly was a Dominican. He arrived, he came in 1982. In fact, my cousin, who was a priest, who was a priest, was ordained. It was his first class that he ordained. So I was ordained with two other guys on May the 30th, 1987, and assigned to St. Joseph Proto-Cathedral in Bardstown, uh, because the, the diocese originally was the diocese of Bardstown until it was transferred to Louisville years later. So that's why it was called a Proto-Cathedral. Uh, so sort like of Vincent, like Vincennes Vincent. in our case, exactly. in this archdiocese. Exactly. And they moved that many, many, many years ago up to Indianapolis. Uh, Bardstown has an interesting history it was one of the early uh, 
diocese in this country, the first one west of the Alleghenies, with uh, three other very small dioceses, um, Boston, Philadelphia, and New York, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Archbishop? Yes. Um, tell me about your time at the Proto-Cathedral. Um, St. Joseph Bartstown uh, Pro-Cathedral, it it's one of the largest, even still today, still one of the largest parishes in the archdiocese. Uh, it has the only Catholic high school outside of Louisville, the Jefferson County, uh, Bethlehem High School. It's, it was, it's co-ed. Uh, so the automatically, whoever's the associate at St. Joe Pro Cathedral is automatically the chaplain to the high school. So we had a K, we had K through eighth grade school, and then we had we had a high school. So uh, it, it was a great way to start out as a priest. I got to be be a chaplain to K through twelfth grade. Um, the city, the town was about six eight thousand people, but you also had a lot of rural areas. It was um, it's it was um, Bard sounds about. 40 minutes, 45 minutes south of Louisville. My old Kentucky home is there just a few blocks away was my old Kentucky home. Uh, you hear his song at the Kentucky Derby and those kind of things. Sure. Uh, just just about um, 15 minutes south of Bardstown is Gethsemane, where Thomas Merton was. Right. And then about another 30 minutes south of that is Hodgenville, where Abraham Lincoln was born. So a lot of history in that area. So uh, my recollection of that part is that Thomas Lincoln lost title to his farm, uh, and he probably would have been up in Bardstown uh, mm -hmm. pursuing that legally, uh, but he ended up losing and moving to Indiana. Yeah, it's always been always understood that he, he, he couldn't get that clear deed in Kentucky. That's one that what drew him to Indiana, where he could get a clear deed for his land. And that had something to do with the way they uh, surveyed the land. Mm -hmm. They had U.S. government mm -hmm. surveying in Indiana and Kentucky. They did that by meets and bounds, I think mm -hmm. is what they mm -hmm. called that. Mm -hmm. This rock over to that creek, over to that tree, and so forth. So um, when you went to um, the Proto-Cathedral, that's a historic place, too. Mm -hmm. um, didn't uh, Louis of France donate a lot of artwork there? Yeah, there's a king that donated, um, I think it's six huge paintings. The king of the two Sicilies, I think it was called, the, I think it was the king of the two Sicilies they called him. Uh, but there's six beautiful paintings that are still on the walls there. And that's a very Catholic thing uh, because here you have priceless artwork um, displayed in a place with the windows open and in use as a daily church just so catholic yes in fact saint joe didn't get air conditioning till at long after i left during my time there it was not air conditioned so but wanted to preserve those uh, paintings and of course in that area too is also all the bourbon distillery so there was a lot of smoke and soot and stuff so they're they're being very well, well preserved today now archbishop you said you had a, a um, hobby and it uh, that you would go down or you still go down and visit your sibs in Kentucky, uh, and you are a horseback rider. What's yes. that about? Well, being from Kentucky, you're going to have to you got to have some kind of connection to horses. Uh, and being from Marion County, everybody had horses. Um, it was just a, it was just something we did for for fun and, and sometimes for farming, whatever. Um, so we've been doing trail riding for years. I kind of grew up doing that kind of thing. And even as a priest, when I was a priest, uh, my my second to last assignment, I got sent back to where my family's from, Marion County that the main church there in uh, in Lebanon, St. Augustine, had about 6,000 parishioners. Um, a parishioner gave me a horse, 
as a gift because we were trail riding. So I had a very nice horse that I kept until I, I until I became a bishop. Then it got sold. But my brother and one of his daughters still have about eight or nine horses. So when I go home, and then my doctor, as my horse riding buddy out in Marion County, so I've got different horses I can ride. I still have my own saddle and bridle so that when I ride, I, I, I can still. The problem now is just finding the time. It's just it's far, very far and few in between finding the, the opportunities because a lot of these trail rides are on weekends and especially on Sunday afternoons, and it's hard to get anywhere from wherever I'm, I'm at on a Sunday to try to get to any place like that. Well, you have a big responsibility uh, in a large, uh, the largest diocese in Indiana, Archdiocese of Indianapolis, and which goes all the way down to the Ohio River, and mm-hmm. it goes from Ohio all the way over to Illinois and clear up onto the north side of Indianapolis. Um, you mentioned a big Catholic family. You had 90 first cousins. Uh, your mom and dad must have been, uh, had a lot of siblings themselves. Yes, uh, my dad's one of the second youngest of 13. Uh, when he died just recently, uh, only one sibling left, and then mom's one of 16. Uh, 90 first cousins, nearly 300 uh, second cousins, very Catholic family. That must have made for a happy Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So um, you also are a canon lawyer. Uh-huh. Uh, you studied beyond St. Meinrad, uh in a different country, in Canada. Uh, can you explain how that works? Yeah, after my, th- I, I spent three years in Bardstown, and then I was invited to to go back to school to get a a, a degree in canon law, uh, and you have to go to a pontifical school to get these kind of these these de- these degrees that are recognized by the Holy See for special types of ministry like that, and the I like Catholic University in Washington D.C. is a pontifical school, uh, St. Paul University in Ottawa, and at the time St. Paul had a very good canon law program, very pastoral application of 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 the church law uh, it was rep- about 26 different countries were represented there it was just a good place to go other than being very very cold i don't like winter i'm as far north right now as i ever want to be so it's the perfect place for me to go to study because uh, with all that cold it kept me and we had 25 feet of snow during those two years oh my that's a lot of snow we and we haven't had that much this year here fortunately but it was a great school and a beautiful city we have a big event coming up this summer in Indianapolis uh, uh, that will fall uh, somewhat on your shoulders because you're the local ordinary. Uh, explain about the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus and how that's going to be celebrated this summer. You know, we're in, currently in this uh, uh, three-year National Eucharistic Revival that's going to culminate uh, this July on what's called the National Eucharistic Congress. It'll be the first National Eucharistic Congress in the United States, I think, in about 83 years. So it's been a, a quite a bit of time. And this was all prompted by a survey a few years ago where it seemed that Catholics didn't understand what the Church has always taught from the beginning. Some some Catholics didn't, that the, that the, 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 that the Eucharist as instituted by Jesus Christ on the night of the Last Supper, the night before his, the Good Friday, that he gave us his body and his blood. He said, this is my body, this is my blood. And we take him literally, what he meant by that. And so the church, the Catholic Church has always taught that the Eucharist is the real presence of Jesus, his body and blood, soul and divinity. But what we found is uh, 
there were those who thought it was just a mere symbol or didn't understand what the church taught. So we've realized that we've got to need to do a better job of making clear what the church teaches and why it teaches what it teaches. Because the Eucharist is at the core of our identity and our mission as Catholics. It's what nourishes us. It's what sustains us. Not a symbol, but the very body and blood of Christ. You know, it gives meaning to Good Friday because by Jesus saying on the night before he died, this is my body, this is my blood, on Good Friday when he dies, what he has done is he's given us himself beyond that physical time on earth. He's with us eternally. He's with us He's with us daily. He's with us continuing to give us himself just as he gave himself to the apostles, to all those on, 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 on the time, during the time he walked on this earth, that he remains with us in the body, blood, so in his body and blood, so in divinity of the Eucharist. So I'm going to guess that one of your favorite Bible verses is John 6:54. Yes. Where he explained the bread of life discourse. Mm-hmm. He was fairly clear about that, wasn't yes, he? Yes, and I preached that a lot during confirmation homilies. And you mentioned to me in the pre-interview about um, the first time you had encountered uh, someone asking you if you'd been saved back way back in grade school or high school. And you just, uh, I think you said something to the effect that you'd just never been exposed to that, being from such a Catholic area. Yes. So that's interesting in itself. That's something that is a, a roadblock sometimes between Catholics and Protestants. Mm-hmm. Um, what what is the uh, most important task of being a priest? Uh, what what is your, what sacrament do you like to confer the best, and uh, and and how does that work for you? Well, I mean, the most important task of being a priest is being able to provide the sacraments that nourishes and sustains us, and, and continues to help us to live the life, to live the life in the in the in relation to the Holy Trinity and one another through the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, obviously, the, celebrating the Eucharist, the, again, it's at the core of our identity and our mission. So celebrating the Mass, celebrating the Eucharist, but but all the sacraments, really, you know, as, as um, you know, baptism. A, a bishop, we, we had an auxiliary bishop in Louisville. He was auxiliary for three different archbishops, Bishop Charles Maloney. And when he, he'd always say to people, wherever he went, he'd say, the most important day of my life was my baptism. Not my ordination as a priest, not my ordination as a bishop, but my baptism. And so every baptism, you know, that's, that's the gift of salvation. We die with Christ, we rise with him. Uh, we become a, a member of the church, a member of the family of God. We become a, a brother or a sister in Christ in baptism. So uh, but in reconciliation, though, you know, you you be able the ability to forgive sins. As a bishop, I do a lot of confirmations and ordinations. So I really appreciate the opportunity to have that time with young people because confirmations, you know, as I'm no longer a parish priest where I, I'm with the same families, the same people day in and day out, watch them grow and develop and everything. So I have these opportunities only this one or, once or twice in, in a lot of Catholics' lives to be connected with them personally. And so confirmation is an opportunity. It's completion of baptism. It is a strengthening of the Spirit so they can live their calling, whatever their vocation is, with the gifts of the Spirit to continue to be missionary disciples of Christ. Um, of course, reconciliation, uh, ordination, ordaining deacons, ordinating priests, so that we can perpetuate, continue to pass on um, the, the mission of the church and, and continue to provide for the sacraments for the life of the church and the people of God. Well, in, in those ways, you are acting in persona Christi, and it's something that we're very thankful for. We want to thank you for your time today, Archbishop. It's been an amazing uh, six years, roughly, that you've been here, mm-hmm. and uh, You've had plenty of challenges, but you've uh, pulled through, and we are so appreciative of your time as a priest and time as our archbishop. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. 
You've been listening to a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek. Join us again next time when we'll feature another priest from the area. If you are interested in having your priest appear on this show, please contact us at Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. 